you ever find yourself studying with Buddhist monks in the mountains of New Mexico and you decide at 3 in the morning that the Buddhist life just isn't for you, so you pack everything up and you drive down a huge mountain and then you go home and then you randomly stumble across a website full of Jedi realists? Hi, I'm Samuel Johnson. I'm your host here at A Cup of Tea in the Forest, and that's my story. Well, it's a little longer than that, but I figured I'd open with that joke because I opened with a similar joke last month. <laughs> Welcome to A Cup of Tea in the Forest. We're a monthly podcast where we talk about Jediism and Jedi realism, here with a random assortment of special guests, or sometimes just me. With this case of this episode, this is just a me episode, so I hope you enjoy it. Last month we had the Great Knight Arizag on, and that's a great way to start a podcast, but I realized I didn't really go into me, the host of the podcast, and I figured with this episode, I'd take maybe 15 minutes and talk about myself. It's something I don't like to do. I think I mentioned that last month where I said that I really don't like to talk about myself. I don't really have, like, a big ego. I mean, everybody has an ego, but for me, I just, you know, just don't enjoy talking about myself or my accomplishments or, or what I've done. I like to bring it up in conversation because I've had a weird assortment of accomplishments and careers and life decisions that have landed me where I am. It's how the Force works. We just go with the flow and the Force takes us where it wants to take us. This week we're sipping ginger ale, so if you're at home and you want to follow along with the beverage of the week, go grab a nice hearty cup of Canadian dry ginger ale. Why are we drinking ginger ale? Because for some reason it's a month later and I'm still sick. <laughs> it's kind of the hazard of working with children. I'm a preschool teacher right now and being a preschool teacher means you're surrounded by 22 five-year-olds on a daily basis and that means that you're gonna get sick. There's no avoiding it. My fiance is also a teacher and, well, she also gets sick. Speaking of my fiance, if you're ever interested in hearing my other passions, yeah, I have another podcast. It's called Love at First Contact. It's me and my beloved fiance traveling through the world of Star Trek, where I force her to sit down once a week and either watch a movie or TV show in the Star Trek universe. It's vastly different from this podcast, but if you enjoy my voice, then you'll enjoy that podcast just as much. But hey, let's tell my story, shall we? My story begins six or seven years ago. I won't go into the details of my childhood because, to be honest, I had a pretty great childhood. It was full of love and compassion, and, you know, I didn't really discover religion until I was in my early teens. In my early teens, I realized I had to make a decision. I could either stick what every other Midwestern was doing and follow Christianity, or I could seek another path. And I chose the path less taken, which was to find another path in the forest of religion. It was a complicated road, and it led me to witchcraft, paganism, Norse paganism, and several others before I finally landed in New Mexico. In New Mexico, that's where my story really begins. I had randomly discovered a university in a small town of New Mexico called Tucumcari. Tucumcari, for an example, has a population close to probably about a thousand people in the city itself, but they tote a population of around 10,000, and they must be counting the cattle, because the county of Quay is about the size of a dollar bill. It's a pretty small area of New Mexico, and it's mostly abandoned thanks to Route 66 shifting over to another highway. Tucumcari is a small burnt-out town with not much in it. It doesn't even have a Walmart or a mall or any sort of modern convenience. It has one grocery store known as a Lowe's, and I'm not talking about the hardware store. It's a small chain that is located in most of the western states, but it's not the best in my opinion. None of the food was really fresh, and if you wanted to get vegetables, you had to go, like, the first of the month or else it was all spoiled. Found more worms and strawberries in those three short years of living in Tucumcari than I have anywhere else. Tucumcari is an interesting town, though. 
It's full of interesting people who have come from all over the world to study a small range of professions. The college there, which will go nameless, as I do not recommend them in any way, shape, and or form, has three interesting paths. Rodeo, cowboy studies, and being a paleontologist. Another program they offer that I kind of forgot until I was recording this was they have a wind program where you can study wind energy, where you can study to climb one of those big wind turbines you'll find out west in those giant prairies. Well, I was a paleontologist. I was what I like to call a functioning paleontologist because while I was in college, I was writing papers and going on digs. I have about a thousand hours of lab and field experience combined, and it's one of my greatest accomplishments and something I'm very proud of to this day. But in the end, it wasn't for me. About halfway through my second year though, I started delving into religion a little deeper. And you might think, wow, this story is really progressing at a fast pace. It's just because like I said, I don't like talking about myself. and. While there are stories to tell in that era, I just don't want to tell them right now. It's not like a matter of do or don't, it's more a matter of just not knowing when is the right time to tell them. So maybe down the line we'll tell some more stories from the Tucumcari era. But right now the important story comes in my second year. In my second year I had just returned from New York, where I interned at Cornell University, the alma mater of people like Carl Sagan and Neil deGrasse Tyson. They have a wonderful museum there called the Paleontological Research Institute, and I was lucky enough that summer that my mother was living just north of there, so I had a place to stay, and upon a small email conversation, I was able to weasel my way into an internship very last minute, which means that I had to drive from New Mexico to New York in a matter of like two days, which is possible, but it means you can't really stop driving, which is crazy to me because I, I don't really like driving, to be honest with you. <laughs> It was a fun semester of being away from New Mexico. After a year spent in the desert with not many luxuries, it was strange to come into a world where there were Starbuckses and Walmarts and, you know, a hundred different types of cheese instead of having to settle for just cheddar or provolone. Which, I mean, cheddar and provolone are pretty great, but let's be honest, a good Gouda goes a long way. Upon returning, I decided I wanted to study Buddhism. Buddhism seemed the most likely path for me. It involved meditation, which was something I was already practicing, and combined a multitude of studies and relaxation that really seemed nice to me. I discovered there was a nice monastery just north of Tucumcari in a city called Taos. New Mexico is beautiful. It's called the land of enchantment for a reason, but the locals call it the land of entrapment, and to be honest, I can see why. It was very hard for me to leave, but I'm glad I did. New Mexico is an interesting place, but if you don't live in Albuquerque or Alamogordo or Santa Fe, you're really in the middle of nowhere, and unless you're a farmer or someone studying farming, it's not the best place. So I did what any logical person would do. Instead of buying a book on Amazon or going out to the local Barnes & Noble to pick up one of the many religious texts in Buddhism, I went straight to the source. I emailed the monastery and ended up finding out that, yeah, if I wanted to, I could come out for a weekend and stay. So I packed my bags, told my professors I'd be gone for the weekend and couldn't work my shift at the museum, and I left, loaded everything into my Jeep, the Milano, and headed north. It was a long drive, but a beautiful one. The drive to Taos from Tucumcari takes you through the winding canyons of the deserts of New Mexico. I, I describe New Mexico as a desert. But when you say desert, you probably, within the Jedi community, imagine a place like Tatooine. It's more like a scrubland. Um, there are a lot of wildlife and plants, but it's very dry and very hot. And at this time of year, it was very hot. It was mid-August, which, yeah, actually, funny enough, it was around this time, probably. And driving up there, there weren't many people. 
It was my first time visiting Santa Fe as well, and I do regret not stopping in Santa Fe, as the architecture in Santa Fe is very beautiful, and if you ever get a chance to explore New Mexico, make sure that you make it one of your priority stops. But heading north, I continued on to Taos. Arriving in Taos, I had a little bit of trouble finding the monastery. The monastery had two locations, one on the east side of the mountain and one on the west side of the mountain, on the top of the mountain. So I stopped at the east side first and found it abandoned. It had been closed for quite a while, and apparently only opened in the summer months. So I continued on, stopping at a local gas station and asking for directions I finally found my way, and I began my climb. The road up to the monastery was one of the most harrowing things and made me happy I had a jeep. It was a winding road that took me through woodland and cliffs up a mountain very high, probably higher than I've been in years, and I, I felt it. Taos is a beautiful place, but the mountains are huge, I will say that. Upon arriving, I was greeted by one of the monks. In fact, it was the head monk, working with local contractors from the town below to repair a gate. The gate wasn't what you'd expect for a Buddhist monastery. I mean, I think when you say monastery, you imagine these giant temples and you know, flowing fountains. This monastery was very humble. It looked more like a summer camp, and it had a very summer campy vibe. I'll be honest, I was nervous. I had never been to, you know, a place like this, even when I was a practicing Christian as a child. I had been to church, of course, and it had a very church vibe, but it was completely at peace. It's like the mountain valley where they had built the monastery had found total zen and had settled into a life of just being relaxing. And I found it super relaxing. Upon arriving, I was completely at peace. And I parked my car, got out, and I was guided by one of the monks to their cafeteria. He told me that they had been preparing for me all day, which made me feel a little anxious because I didn't like when people waited on me, especially not monks who I didn't know. And they presented me with a meal and a book, and they had me sit down and they told me to read while the head monk finished his work. I waited for probably two hours, and I will say, if you ever want a good meal, go to a Buddhist monastery. They have some of the best food on the planet. I discovered that they don't eat onion. That was something that was kind of surprising to me, because as an American, onion is kind of a staple of our diet. It's very interesting when you travel to a place where everyone's from a different country. All the monks were actually from China. It was really cool to see, and getting to talk to them, I learned a lot in just a day. I ate my meal and read the book, and the book was very interesting, but it opened with a story that kind of hit home. The story detailed someone who wanted to study Buddhism with the Buddha, but wasn't prepared, and in the end suffered for his unpreparedness. This rang home, and it stuck with me for the rest of the day. But I spent the day learning to meditate with Buddhist monks. I meditated in their shrine, which was beautiful, and a memory that will always stick home with me. But something kept going through my mind. The idea of being a Jedi. Because being at the monastery reminded me of being inside a Jedi temple, in video games, and in the movies. It was so peaceful, and the monks walked around in robes, and it really just kept that idea of Jediism in my head. At this time, I hadn't discovered Jediism yet. It seemed kind of silly to me that being a Jedi was possible, as, you know, as most of us do on the early stages of the path, we see it as a movie. But the idea of being a Jedi always sticks home with us, and for some of us, it never goes away. So, I spent the day in meditation and thinking, and the idea of being a Jedi just wouldn't go away. Around 3 a.m. I woke up. Now in two hours, the monks were going to come get me for morning meditation. Monastery life starts early, and I was prepared for it. But I felt a calling, a pull to leave, and it was weird to me. 
I had never just packed up and left a place before, and to be honest, it was a little nerve-wracking. So I wrote a note. I found a pen and paper in the kitchen of the small cabin they had placed me in, and I wrote a short but sweet line that said basically that I was not ready to study with them, and that I apologized for wasting their time. I loaded my backpack and my small belongings into my jeep, leaving a book behind, taking a picture of it with my phone, which had no signal, I'll note. The monastery was placed in a good spot. There was no cell phone service, no internet. You were really disconnected from the world, and it's one of those amazing feelings. And if there ever is a Jedi temple somewhere in our world, while I think it will be required for us to have internet to stay connected with the larger Jedi community, it'd be nice if there was no cell phone service, and if internet use was kept to a minimum. Except for online gaming. I think we're all gamers here in the Jedi community, and be honest, let's let's be honest, we gotta play some Sporto, right? Right, guys? But back on point here. I left. I drove down the mountain in total darkness, which was even scarier than going up the mountain on note. And I made it back to Tucumcari just as the sun sat in the sky. I quickly took a nap and went to the museum, and to the shock of my professors, I was on time for my shift. They asked me questions like why did I come home? And why wouldn't I stay with them and study? And I said what I always said. I wasn't ready. And there was a different path for me. It was interesting, though, because the idea of a Jedi didn't leave there either. I thought maybe it had just been nerves that had pushed me to wanting to be a Jedi. But looking back, it wasn't. So I opened a book. I went home, and I dug through my Star Wars books until I found a small black-bound book called The Jedi Path. The Jedi Path is interesting because it's basically a manual to being a Jedi in the universe. And to me, it was the first steps onto a larger world. Well, I began studying Jediism through the books. And looking back to my first episode of this podcast, I will say I was wrong in saying that I've moved away from the fiction. I was very tired and hopped up on NyQuil when I recorded that episode of Arizog, and it very much sounds through. And it's my hope with this episode to kind of clear up some things about myself that I said. And I will say that in my studies, I found the books very helpful, and the fiction, of course, is very important to me. While it's not the most important thing in my study, it definitely is the heart of it. And no matter what I do, I find myself going to the Jedi Path, the Book of the Force, and other art books and texts within the Star Wars universe for guidance. I'll go into my books in a future episode, because I've amassed quite a library that I call my Jedi Library. But back on point, I began studying Jediism, and as so many other Jedis do, I googled, can I be a Jedi Knight? And somehow, I stumbled across Temple of the Jedi Order. Now Tojo isn't my home, it never really was. I never felt comfortable there, and to be honest, with it being such a large community and such a confined website, it was kind of overbearing and suffocating for me to be there. And I left pretty quickly. My Jedi journey ended about the same time of me being in Tucumcari ended. After Tucumcari, I journeyed south, about 100 miles to a town called Clovis. In Clovis, I became a zookeeper. Like I said, it's, it's a weird connection of career paths. Being a zookeeper, I went back to atheism. You know, I didn't feel a spiritual calling in Clovis, and working with the animals, it was nice, and I've always found animals to be a big part of my spirituality. Animals are very cool, and you can learn so much from animals in Jediism. They're connected with the living world in a way we never will be, and they're amazing to watch and learn from. But after leaving Clovis, I went home. I once again moved back into my father, who had gotten sick with cancer at the time. Thankfully, he beat it pretty quickly, 
I was kind of surprised. It was his second time battling cancer, and after four months of treatment, it went away. My father's been extremely lucky, and I know many in the Jedi community suffer with cancer and aren't as lucky, and I'm always feeling blessed that my father has come through every brush with it unscarred. I mean, he's slowed down over the years. My father is 76, I believe, right now, 75, 76, and despite his age, he can still outwalk me, and I'm only 26. But moving forward, he pushed me. He said I should go someplace I've always wanted to go, and I felt the calling to go to Florida. Florida's an interesting place. It's wild and untamed, and for America, it's it's pretty crazy. <laughs> you can probably Google Florida man and come across the 100,000 stories that really tell a tale of a wacky state full of giant reptiles, dinosaurs, and a, a mouse that controls everything. Upon arriving, I was faced with a question. What did I want to do for work? And it was sitting right in front of me. Star Wars. Disney was about to open the Star Wars theme park, Galaxy's Edge. And for me, it became a calling that I wanted to work there. Well, the news was very colorful about Galaxy's Edge. It painted a picture of the ultimate Star Wars experience. Everyone would be in character. Everything would be in universe. There would be no Mickey Mouse or Donald Duck. It would all be George Lucas's vision. And the Force was tied to it so tightly that you could go there and become a Jedi. You could build a lightsaber, buy a robe, and for the small cost of $1,000, become a Jedi Knight. Which, to me, seemed overpriced. It still does, even after having worked there for four years. <laughs> it was an interesting time, though. And so I started my Disney journey, and yes, I landed at Galaxy's Edge. At Galaxy's Edge, though, I had a position. My position was standing next to Kyber Crystals. Little plastic LED chips that, when put in a lightsaber, would cause it to glow, or when placed in a holocron, would recite words and quotes from the movies and lines that were been ripped haphazardly from the recording and made into nice little sayings that made you feel special. Well, that was interesting, and the hum put in over them allowed me to meditate while working. I could block out people, as the position's main job wasn't really to hand out kyber crystals, it was to keep people from shining lights into the red crystals to find a black crystal that contained nothing but dialogue from Supreme Leader Snoke. It's not worth it, and if you plan on getting a black crystal while you're at Galaxy's Edge, let me just tell you, it's it's really not worth it. Like, you can find everything on YouTube. But, for me, I began to say I was a member of the Church of the Force, and again I felt the calling of the Force. And so I returned to Temple of the Jedi Order. I started my initiate program over again, and studying it, I started to feel at home, but at the same time I just didn't have that connection. And so, after a few months of study and getting deep into the initiate program, I left. I'll also point out that this was an odd time for the Temple of the Jedi Order. It was going through odd changes, and they were really pushing people to stay off of Discord. I never really understood that, and I believe they have a Discord now, but at the time, it was really frowned upon to be on Discord for some reason. I think it was so they could control the topic and control and make sure that people weren't talking about uncomfortable subjects or were making people feel uncomfortable or just bullying and stuff like that. But to me, it really confined the community to that chat-based program they used to use on Temple of the Jedi Order. And moving on, I decided it wasn't for me, and I very quietly and quickly left the community. It's an interesting thing to wander the country. I'll say I didn't leave Florida, but I traveled a little bit. And then, of course, as we all were, I was blindsided in 2020 with the COVID virus. 
Now I've been very lucky. I've dodged every COVID infection around me and I've managed not to catch the virus in every turn. I'm also vaccinated and I will say here that I think you should be too. If you haven't gotten vaccinated yet for COVID-19, go out and get it. It's free and easy, and while it sucks the first couple days, I will say my arm will never be the same after getting those jabs, it helps, and it keeps you and your loved ones safe. And there's no real reason not to get it. I know that'll start an argument, but thankfully, I don't have a comment section. Moving forward, though, I went through the pandemic a little lost, but I did meet my fiancé during that time. And not too long ago, only about a year, not even a year, I think February of 2022, I decided I would once again walk the Jedi path. This was after two years of studying Norse paganism again. I really got into Norse paganism this time, and I really felt a connection, but that community really pushed me away. There's a thing about a religion where when you're in it, you really seek out a community that makes you feel like home. And the problem with the Norse pagan community are there are a lot of bad apples. And those bad apples can spoil the bunch. But in Jediism, it's the same. But thankfully, when I decided to return to Jediism, I did my research this time. I went back to Temple of the Jedi Order, started a new account as my old account had been deleted after years of inactivity, and searching, I discovered that there were quite a few more websites now, and they were readily available and accessible. It wasn't like the old times when I had first studied Jediism, when other Jedi communities were hard to find, just because Temple of the Jedi Order was the biggest, and it kind of cast an umbrella over the others. I quickly did my research and discovered that someone who I had met years earlier in Temple of the Jedi Order was studying at the Jedi Conclave. That would be none other than Erzog. Erzog had always been a figure in the Jedi community who seemed to be on a path that was very akin to Obi-Wan Kenobi and Mitra Surik. I believe I said that to him in the last episode, and I know I've said it to him in person, so I'm not embarrassed to say that he's a pretty cool guy, and I'm glad we're friends. I decided to study at the Jedi Conclave, and I haven't regretted it yet. The Jedi Conclave is one of the best communities I've ever found in Jediism, and I'm part of others. I'm part of the Force Academy, and I've wandered into others just to see what's going on for this podcast. But I will say, the Jedi Conclave has become my home, and while studying there, I've learned quite a lot. And it's leaked into my real life. You know, it's interesting whenever you walk up to someone and say, I'm just not having the spoons today to deal with this. It's something we learned in the Jedi Conclave that really helped me understand how to plan my day. That I don't have every spoon in the bunch, and I've got to make sure that I'm spending my spoons wisely. If you want to know more, go take the Initiate Program. You'll learn all kinds of things in the Temple Initiation Program of the Conclave. And I know last episode really sounded like a, you know, flag-waving recruitment drill for the Conclave, but, you know, it's my home temple. And if I can't talk about my own podcast, then I don't want to do my own podcast. I will say that's kind of the end of my story for now. If I kept telling it, we'd run into me, and then what would we say? We would just be recounting the moments as they happened. I will say I've left a lot out. There are a lot of stories that I want to save for times where I can really focus on them and compare them to other stories of other people. And, as I said at the beginning of this episode, I don't like talking about myself. It's not something I really enjoy, and to be honest, I just really don't want to do it. It was hard for me to record this episode, and thankfully I had an entire month to do it because, for some reason, the Force guided me to start this podcast at the end of the month. And now that we're here, I'm glad I sat down and recorded it today. It's very relaxing to vent and talk about yourself and go over your path and, and see where it's led you. 
but that's really it. We've talked for 23 minutes, and I feel that's plenty of time. I originally said I was going to go for just 15, and look where we are now. Thank you all for listening. I had said last week that I was going to start social media for this, but I've decided I'm not going to. If you want to find this podcast, you're already in one of the Jedi communities where I post it, and you'll see the episodes as they come out. But if you do want to subscribe and find out where you can listen, head over to YouTube. If iTunes and Spotify aren't really for you, we've got a YouTube channel where I post these episodes pretty shortly after I start them. So, if you want to watch a nice little background video of Nightsteel Republic where I stage characters that look like they're studying at a Jedi Academy, head over there and enjoy this podcast. If you're there now, welcome, and I hope you enjoyed both the first and second episode. We'll be back next month with hopefully a guest, but if not, I've got stories to tell. I've already talked to several members of the Jedi community who have said that, you know, they want to come on the podcast and talk. So let's get excited for that. As always, may the Force be with you, and I'll see you next month. Goodbye.